Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of E.W. Jackson for America. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. I certainly did. <clears throat> Very busy weekend because yesterday we had our Martin Luther King Leadership Breakfast in Chesapeake, and it was a tremendous event. Uh, we had a full house, uh, close to 300 people, I think, and we honored our our business people, our education people. We honored our first responders, our police officers, our firefighters, our sheriffs. We honored two young people, one homeschooled and one Christian school. That's the first time we've done that. We've always honored kids from public schools uh, in the last, oh, I don't know, seven or eight years we've been doing the scholarships. We started this breakfast 23 years ago, and it's grown and developed. After 9-1-1, we started honoring our first responders, and then uh, about 10 years later, I think, we started giving scholarships to kids, uh, to kids, and we've always used public school children. And then we decided, you know what, we've been excluding Christian kids and Christian schools, and so this year, we honored a homeschool child and a, and a child who uh, is graduating from a Christian school. And so it was, it was just a wonderful event. Everybody enjoyed it. Had a great speaker, Pastor Iverson Jackson of Little Rock, <clears throat> Arkansas, who's about to join the Sarah Huckabee Sanders administration uh, as the director of, uh, of, uh, of the, the director of how the Housing Commission uh, for the state of Arkansas. And uh, just a great man of God, retired Lieutenant Colonel, U.S. Army. And, 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 and I don't mind saying a national vice president of Stan. So, but we, we just really had a wonderful time and we're so grateful. Priority Toyota, which if you're in another part of the country watching me, you wouldn't know who they are, but they are a premier automotive company here and they've been with us for 15 years. And this year they gave the largest single donation to the breakfast that any group has ever given. They became our underwriter sponsor and we're just so very grateful to them for their continued support. And we had others as well. And if I start going down the list, I'll spend the whole program doing that. I want to say, if you're in the area, please mark your calendar for next year. Um, I don't even know what the, what the date is for the breakfast next year. And I, you perhaps think, well, you're getting way ahead of yourself. But I'm believing God that I'll be here next year, and so will you. Amen. We believe in God for that. Let's see. I'm trying to see. Do, can I do the? Yeah, here we go. By month. Uh, well, that's by month. I'm do it by, I was hoping I could bring all the months up for the entire year, but I guess I can't do that. So um, let me scroll through these very quickly. Okay. 2024. The breakfast is going to be on, I guess it's going to be on the 15th of January, I believe, although for some reason that holiday is not, but anyway, January 15th, 2024 would be my guess. I think that is Dr. King's actual birthday. Of course, it's not usually on his actual birthday. It's usually, I mean, the Monday holiday doesn't normally fall on his actual birthday. I think his actual birthday is the 15th. Of course, mine is the 13th. Close. Um, 
but it was just a wonderful time. If you are here in the area, or even if you're not, and you really, really want to experience a great Martin Luther King uh, Day celebration that brings people together and unifies people, as opposed to this ripping people apart, you want to be a part of this. Believe me, you will enjoy it. You'll get a great deal out of it. I want to talk a little bit about that today. Yesterday, Joe Biden gave some sort of half-baked cockamamie speech uh, about Dr. King. And one of the things that he said in the speech, is, which is I'm going to use as a launching pad to talk about what I want to talk about today. But one of the things that he said in the speech is he, he accused insurance companies of discriminating against black people by charging different rates based on location. And here's what he said. If you live in one of those neighborhoods and you have the same exact car I have in the other neighborhood, you pay more for your insurance than that side. No basis for it. None at all other than you're black and I'm white. Uh, folks, uh, I'll tell you, that is nothing but pure demagoguery. It's just not true. And if, if you're black listening to me, I, I want you to listen well, because this is something, sadly, that a lot of black folks don't want to hear. A lot of Americans of African ancestry don't want to hear because they have embraced this racial collectivist ideology that says everything that happens in life that is considered to their detriment or not to their advantage is the result of racism. And what bothers me so much about this is that statement proves that Joe Biden is either really extraordinarily dumb for an educated man, I mean really extraordinarily dumb, or he's really just evil. And he's saying what he wants to say to, gain, to get the desired effect, which is black people being loyal to me as an advocate for them even though he knows if he's got any intelligence at all, and I doubt it, I question whether he does have much intelligence at all. I mean, I know he's a selfish man. I know he's a venal man. I don't know whether he's an intelligent man. I see no evidence of it, to be very honest. I know he's political, but you know, being political doesn't mean you're wise. It doesn't mean you're intelligent even. I mean, Hitler, and I'm not comparing Joe Biden to Adolf Hitler, but I'm just using the most extreme example to make the point. Hitler was in some ways a genius at emotionally manipulating people. He was not intelligent in my view because the conclusions that he held about life, about the Jewish people were irrational. They were not based on facts. They were not based on evidence. They were not based on any intelligent analysis of anything. They were just based on sheer gut, visceral emotion and prejudice. That to me is not intelligent. So here again, I'm not comparing Joe Biden to Adolf Hitler. I'm just making the point that a person could be politically successful, which Hitler was, and not be intelligent at all. 
Joe Biden may not be intelligent. I, in fact, I'm probably, that's probably the right conclusion, that he's just not an intelligent man. But if he, if he is intelligent enough to know that what he said there was a lie and is completely contrary to the facts, then he really is evil. He really is evil because he's saying things to manipulate people. So let me just lay out the facts. Folks, insurance is a gamble. It is a risk. An insurance company only makes money gambling that the amount of money the insureds pay in will be more than the amount of money that the insurance company has to pay out. Now, it's, that's very rudimentary, but it's very accurate. That's how insurance companies make money. They make money gambling. And when I say gambling, I mean, obviously, there is, there is intelligence and, and, and there, are, there are analytics behind this gamble, but it still is, in essence, a gamble. And when you come to an individual, for example, that gamble doesn't always pay off. So a person pays, I don't know, $100,000 into an insurance policy, dies unexpectedly, and ends up with a million dollars a million dollar payout to their family. Well, the insurance company is out $900,000 on, on that, that, the gamble on that one insured person's life insurance policy. But if, if, if overall the insurance company didn't get better results than that, they couldn't exist. They would go broke quickly and it would be over. There would be no insurance. So obviously, the, their business model is based on the idea that they are going to collect more from their insureds than they will have to pay out for their insureds, for their injuries, their accidents, their deaths, um, their property damage, whatever it is that the insurance is providing, their medical care, whatever it is, okay? The reason why insurance, therefore, is higher in the inner city is that the risk is higher of damage to an automobile, injury to a person, damage to property, because it is a high crime area. Now that's not rocket science. I mean, look, the fact of the matter is, Insurance is higher in places with bad, with worse weather. So if you live in a place where the weather is bad, where the winters are harsher, your insurance is going to be higher than a place where the weather is milder. Because bad weather more likely leads to accidents and incidents and damage. So for Joe Biden to say he's got a car, we've been all hearing about the Corvette, locked up in his garage in a safe, exclusive, wealthy neighborhood, okay, which is secure because it's behind a garage, because it's on a, a large piece of property. You got to, 
you got to go through, jump through all kinds of hoops to get to his car and steal it, right? As opposed to a person living in the inner city where their car is parked on the street. I mean, I lived in the Boston area and for the last, oh, from um, 86 to 98, about 12 years, we lived in a suburban neighborhood in a single, parent, a single family dwelling and we didn't have a garage. Our car sat on the street. So when we moved to Virginia, we've never had a car sit on the street. Our cars have always been in garages because the property is, is cheaper and, and houses are built with garages and the, and the level of home that my wife and I have lived in have always had garages. Our insurance is cheaper because there's no chance of somebody driving down the street recklessly and hitting the car while it's sitting on the street. It's much harder to steal the car because now you've got to break into the garage to steal it as opposed to it's sitting on the street and it's there for the taking. I mean, these are just, this is just basic economics. And this, this, this man demagogues the issue and tries to give black people another reason to feel that you are somehow being mistreated. The cost of everything is higher where the risks are higher. That's why these little corner stores, people pay more than they're going to pay at the supermarket because they're buying at lower volume. They're in a high risk area. The likelihood of shoplifting is greater. The likelihood of robberies are greater. The insurance costs are higher as a result. All of the risks are higher and therefore the cost is higher. It's not because somebody moves into a, a black neighborhood or a poor neighborhood and says, I'm going to really gouge these people. I'm going to charge them as much as I can because they're too stupid to know better. And I'm racist anyway. And I want to get more of their money. Well, the thing is, if you do that enough, guess what people figure out? I'm not going there. I'll, I'll walk a few blocks extra. So the market itself is going to dictate you can't go but so far. But on the other hand, you can't charge what Walmart charges because Walmart is buying volume and Walmart uh, is, is the risk at Walmart is simply much, much lower than the risk at that corner store in the heart of the inner city. Now, look, I said all that to say this to lay this, this framework, this groundwork. The reason for this demagoguery is to convince Americans of African descent that you are hopelessly behind the eight ball and there is nothing you can do about it because of the color of your skin and the fact that America is inherently racist and you're always going to pay a premium for being black. Now listen, I just described to you circumstances in which our insurance was higher. Uh, by the way, circumstances in which our housing was higher. When we lived in Boston, we paid far more for our housing for far less bang for the buck, if you will. We, we, we paid the same amount for, uh, 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 at that, when we bought the house, it was 80 years old, we paid the same amount for an 80-year-old colonial house 
with a, I think it had a 4,000 square foot lot, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been smaller. No usable garage, okay? Um, we had a, a basement, but the basement was unfinished. It was just a, it was just a basic dig out. And we paid as much for that house when all was said and done as we paid for a brand new house built from the ground up for us with us having some say over, no, we don't want this here, move that there. We paid the same amount for a brand new house with a 9,000 square foot yacht, a full backyard, a two-car garage as we paid in Massachusetts for something much less. Was that racism? It's, 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 it's economics. Now, I really believe this. I hope that Dr. King is in heaven. I trust he is. I believe he put his faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and he tells a story about when he finally came to a saving knowledge of God. I won't get into that, but you know, he, he was not saved when he started preaching. He started preaching as kind of entering into the family business. He was not saved. He did not have any conscious awareness of God. That didn't happen until his home was bombed. Uh, then he said for the first time in his life, he, he really came into a relationship with God as he contemplated what was ahead of him. And then he, from that point forward, he felt the presence of God in what he was doing. I really believe that Dr. King, if he's looking over the balcony of heaven, or as people like to commonly say, turn, would turn over in his grave, because he's not in his grave, his body is, but his, he's, it, I'm, I'm believing he's with Jesus, would be shaking his head in sorrow. Well, you can't feel sorrow in heaven, but I don't know what you would call it. Thinking, I marched and, and debated and, and fought the good fight of faith and ultimately gave my life to see equality of opportunity and decency of treatment for all Americans of darker colored skin, all Americans of African ancestry, all Americans whose ancestors were slaves, to see them treated the same way everyone else is treated. And what it's come to now is somehow trying to transform the culture to, to have them treated differently than everybody else is treated, as if the color of their skin is an eternal an unmovable obstacle to their progress. So th there's nothing about them that, they, that needs to change. The, the system's got to change. I mean, if Joe Biden were right about this, how would you change it? You go in with a totalitarian system and tell insurance companies, you will charge this here and you will not charge that there. I mean, then you no longer have a free market economy. Now you've got the government dictating. Is that what you do? And so when more cars are stolen in the inner city, you just tell the insurance company, too bad, eat it. 
because anything else is racist. How about this? How about each individual making up their minds to better their lives so that they can move out of an area that they feel is not the best for their families? How about that? You know, I made up my mind. I had no money at all. I was in the Marine Corps. We had, um, I'd been stationed at Naval Air Station South Weymouth. I, I was working, of course, as I was in the military, but also had a part-time job to help support my family, my wife and my son at that time. I had made up my mind. I would never live in what was called, quote unquote, the ghetto. I would never live there. I didn't care what it took. I would never live there. I was not going to put my wife's safety, my child's safety, my safety, and, and the quality of life at risk so I could live in the hood, as some people seem to think is somehow come some kind of badge of honor. And we didn't. We lived in Quincy, Massachusetts, outside the city. We lived in Cambridge, Massachusetts, outside the city. We lived in Medford, Massachusetts, outside the city. But I never lived in the ghetto. I never lived in the inner city. And I'd grown up in it in Chester, Pennsylvania. And then I, my wife and I both went to school, got an education, went to work, worked sometimes two and three jobs at a time. I was actually working, well, two jobs, going to school and working two jobs at one point because I was interested in creating a better life for my family. And I was not going back into a situation which I thought was dangerous and, uh, and unruly and uh, where the housing was poor and where crime was rampant. I was simply not going into a place like that and I was not dragging my family into a place like that. And by the way, my wife and I both agreed there was not one point along the way where we felt some racist racism, systemic racism said, well, you can't study, you can't work, you can't move, you can't. Not once. We decided where we wanted to live and we lived there. We decided to go back to school and we went. We, went. we wanted part-time work, we found it. I mean... I, all of this, this attributing everything, everything to racism serves to do two things. Well, several things, but let me give you the main two things. Number one, it serves to dumb down capable people. It serves to dumb them down. Look, folks. When I was in fifth grade, I was failing. I didn't do well academically the first five years of my, my life because I was in foster care. I, I was not really getting any guidance in that regard. And I just kind of was loping along. By fifth grade, I almost failed out because I didn't go to school very often. I, I hooked most of the time with my gang. We, we, hang, we hung out in the streets and found little petty crimes, little ways to steal. And all. I mean, we were doing all that kind of stuff. I had no, I never had a thought of academic excellence, intelligence, capability, it, that never even crossed my mind. That didn't happen until my father took custody of me and I landed in sixth grade 
And that was the first time when I was in sixth grade, when I was now forced to discipline myself, to do homework, to do what I was called upon to do. And my father was not accepting anything less. Then for the first time I realized, oh wow, I can do stuff. This for the first time in my life. And it wasn't, I wasn't not able to do things or not doing well before because of racism. It was because of lack of discipline, lack of guidance, lack of focus, lack of vision. And once that, those things began to change, guess what? My outcomes changed. You got people trying to engineer equal outcomes. It cannot happen. Well, it can at the price of freedom. You turn everybody into a slave, then you make sure everybody gets the same thing. Folks, our country needs every doctor, every scientist, every engineer, um, every mathematician, every writer, every teacher, every inventor, every innovator. We need every one of our citizens to rise to the highest level their capabilities can take them. And the only way that's going to happen is to instill in people a sense that you are only entitled to what you earn. You get what you merit. Regardless of the color of your skin, you get what you merit. That you're not owed anything because of past wrongs against your ancestors. I mean, my goodness gracious. We should give the, the, the Irish reparations for all the signs that went up saying no Irish need apply when they first began to come here in larger numbers. We should give the Jews reparations for the fact that the, we turned them away when they were trying to escape Nazi Germany. You could play that game forever. In the end, it comes down to individuals seeking to achieve, to grow, to develop, to become Everything that their talents, gifts, abilities, intelligence can allow them to become. You all realize, don't you? IQ is not fixed. I, mean, I think that's been proved now. Now, not that individuals who are extremely gifted don't have maybe extraordinarily high IQs. And others who may be in some ways mentally or intellectually handicapped might not have lower IQs, but demographically, IQs are not fixed. When the Jews first came here uh, in, at the turn of the century and tests were done, I think, at the beginning of World War I, the Jews scored among the lowest IQs of any group in the nation. And I think about 25 years later, they were scoring among the highest. They were scoring among the lowest because they've been deprived of educational opportunity. They've been deprived intellectual stimulation. They've been deprived the ability to stretch their intellects, to grow their intellects, to, to, you know, the brain synapses grow as a result of intellectual challenge. It's, 
IQ is not fixed. But if you dumb people down, as my professors tried to tell me when I got ready to go to law school, that black people don't do well on LSAT tests, so lower your sights. Don't try to get into Harvard. You'll never make it. You, don't, you won't do it. I mean, I didn't want to hear that garbage. I didn't believe it. I was not taught to think like that. I took it as a challenge and spent I don't know how many months practicing, taking practice LSAT exams, timing myself, trying to recreate the atmosphere of the test so I would be psychologically and emotionally ready for it. And then testing myself to see how well I did. And I did just fine. I didn't need affirmative action to get me in. Like, well, he's scored low on the LSAT, but let's let him in anyway. I was an academic performer. I did well in the LSAT test. When it came time to take the bar exams, which they also say a lot of black people don't pass the bar exam for the first time, I took two at the same time and passed them both. And I'm not saying that to brag on me. Please don't take it that way. That's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is that when people are, are, are determined to take their ability to the highest place it will get them, it is amazing what they can achieve. But when you give them excuses for why they don't achieve, it disincentivizes them from even trying. Well, what's the point? It's all, you know, it, the, the white people are biased. The, the test is biased. Yeah, what's the point? When you tell people things like this garbage that Biden just, well, you know, if you're a black person with a car, it's the same car, and there's no reason to charge you more insurance based on your location. Well, that's a lie. Of course there's a, a basis based uh, of what to charge based on location. That's what insurance is all about. It's about the insurance company minimizing risk. And if you are in a bad location, the risk is higher that something will happen. The property will be damaged. You will be injured. Whatever. So let me end with this. I'm going to go a little bit over, but I'll try not to go more than five minutes. So what's happened in Virginia? We've now discovered that there are at least 13 schools in Virginia that intentionally withheld the national merit award notifications from their students because they thought that it was not equitable that those students won the National Merit Award and others did not. It should be criminal. They ought to be locked up for it. They didn't tell the students that they wanted. I was talking to my wife earlier about this today. She said, well, do you think any black students were? I said, I guarantee you there were. But any black student who excelled, they probably think, well, you know, that's because he's kind of, he's, he's kind of white. I mean, that's what they've said in effect for Asian students. Because what they're, they're not interested in producing black scientists and black engineers and black mathematicians and, and black writers and black lawyers and black scholars and, and, and you, you name it. They're interested in producing a dependent people. And I don't know when black folks are going to wake up to the fact that you're being used. You're being conned. So that you can be like a little sycophant, a little, a little child that they have to take care of. Oh, we're not going to let Johnny have the, his test because, because um, 
this this black kid over here, he he's not going to do well. And it's not fair that Johnny scored a high score and he did not. How about telling him, hey, here's how you score as high as Johnny. Here's what you need to do. You know, my father used to say to me, folks, and I, I tell you, I, 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 sometimes you, you just, it, it, it breaks your heart. My father used to say to me, son, you got to pay the cost to be the boss. And he gave me this analogy, which I never forgot. He said, you'll mess around in school, he said, and do nothing and, 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 and fail and, and, and accomplish nothing. He said, and then one of your classmates one day, uh, he who studied and worked hard and he got his degrees, he said, and one day you'll be in a building mopping the floor and your classmate will walk in and he's the boss of that company and you're mopping the floors for it because he studied and you didn't. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> you know? Well, you talk about making an impression on me. Oh my goodness. That made an impression on me. My father didn't reduce it to race. He reduced it to discipline and commitment and hard work and vision for what you want out of your life. And instead, we got these bunch of leftists who are just absolutely destroying the inner drive of the black community by convincing them that any failure to achieve is because of racism. And failure to achieve is because you didn't try hard enough or you weren't willing to go back and try again after the first time. Or you weren't willing to accept that there are some things some people can do better than you can and to look for the things that you do well that you think that you can do as well, if not better than anybody else. As opposed to whining and moaning and groaning about, oh, it's, you know, it's racism. I, I mean, it's, it is debilitating. It, it, is, it is degrading. And, and it, it only serves to stagnate people as opposed to inspiring them to reach for the heights. And that's the message we ought to be giving to all of our children, including black children. Reach for the heights. Go for it. Forget about all this racial stuff. You know, engineering has no race. Mathematics has no race. All this stuff about, oh, well, math is racist. Science has no race. You know, 12 inches is 12 inches. There's not 12 inches for black folks. I mean, 12 inches for white people and 12 inches for white people might mean 11.5 for black people. I mean, 12 inches is 12 inches. 100 meters is 100 meters. I mean, come on. Let, let, me, let me end this way so that everybody's clear on where I'm coming from. I am absolutely convinced as a matter of, of, of belief and faith in the God who made us all, as well as based upon every bit of reading and research I have been able to do, that intellect, ability, and talent has absolutely nothing to do with skin color. 
the, the, the skills and abilities that people choose to develop or neglect has everything to do with culture. So if the culture says, well, you know, we don't do good at math. We, we're, not, we're, we're not mathematical. Fine. You'll be a mathematical dunce if you buy that. If the culture says, well, you know, we don't, we don't, do, we don't do well at science. We're not that, that's, well, fine. Then you'll be a scientific dunce because the culture has taught you that that's what you should expect. If the culture tells you, oh, yeah. If you want to make it in America, you need to be a basketball player, you need to be a, a, a rapper, or you need to be some kind of entertainer. Fine. You'll get the few people who can rise to the top of that doing extremely well, becoming millionaires, billionaires, and the rest off somewhere wishing that they could do that, as opposed to developing the skills and abilities that could allow them to have a very, very good life, perhaps even wealth, if they simply developed it. It's culture. It's not genetics. It's culture. Now here again, I'm not saying people aren't gifted and talented in different ways, but that has nothing to do with race. That varies individual by individual. And until we begin to call upon every single one of our citizens to lay aside all the excuses and all of the racial, ideological, racially, racial and ideological justifications for, for mediocrity and start instilling in every one of our citizens, I, I am going to go to the heights that my talent and ability will take me. I'm going to do it with integrity. I'm going to do it with decency. I'm going to do it with honor. I'm going to do it with respect to the fact that other people are gifted and talented, maybe in ways that are different than I am. And I'm going to respect and learn from them and grow with them. I'm going to try to be a decent citizen and take responsibility for my stewardship of my family, my community, my country. Until we begin to instill that as the cultural norm in America, what we're going to do is continue to decline in our scientific, mathematics, reading and writing scores while places like China and all other parts of the world continue to outpace us until finally we find ourselves a second class power rather than being the sole superpower of the world. And if we ever find ourselves in a position where China is the predominant world power get ready for some untold suffering all over the world because China is a totalitarian brutal bloodthirsty torturous murderous dictatorship and the United States of America is a constitutional republic that has except for the left's influence honored individual liberty freedom of speech conscience religion, association, all of it, that gives each individual the opportunity to pursue his or her God-given gifts, talents, and dreams. That's the country I believe Dr. King saw for our future. That's the country I believe God wanted when this nation was founded. And that's the country I continue to fight to see to it that we are, remain, and become. God bless each and every one of you. I know I've gone over, but I, I, I had to get this out. Uh, God bless you.
Look, you continue to stand up, step up, speak up, refuse to back up. Because we cannot be defeated if we will not quit. Because we are on God's side.